This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Susan Rocco, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here every Sunday night bringing you the stories of women who are leaders in their fields from all around the world. Uh, my guest this evening is Kim Players, the CEO of Master Your Drone. And later in the show, we're going to be chatting with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who is our contributor for the Health Watch, and we're going to be talking about the effects that obesity has on different cancers in women. Uh, a, a quick shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Jefferson University Hospital, for helping us to bring the show to you every week and for lending us their own Dr. Marianne Ritchie, uh, again, who's going to be bringing us the Health Watch. I also want to remind you to be sure to visit our website at womentowatch.net to see our lineup of guests and to check out our digital spotlights and our Girls to Watch blog. So I want to get started right off the bat with my very, very special guest who traveled in from a little far away outside the city for us uh, this evening. And again, her name is Kim Players. She's the founder of Master Your Drones. Kim, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's wonderful to have you live in the studio with me. I always love to be able to see my guests face-to-face. And um, we had a conversation a, a short time ago about your career and your life. And I have to say your your personal story and your journey is really, really compelling. And um, I'd love to start with your uh, birth in Scotland and um, find out what led to your being adopted by a military family at the age of two? Wow, I haven't told this story in a while, so this is pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I was born in Scotland. Um, I was the youngest out of five children, and my parents that raised me were in the military, and their first deployment was over in Scotland during the Cold War. And uh, my dad and mom started babysitting me, and then one day my, my biological mother said, would you like to keep her? So my parents did, and two years pr- after that, I came over on a, on a ship from Scotland to New York City and became a national citizen um, in, I guess, 1971 when Nixon was in office. And since then, I've traveled 17 times in 18 years as my dad, you know, went up the ranks as a military um, officer, and I'm really grateful for that. I, I never knew any different. It was nothing for me to go to five different high schools. It was nothing for me to go to three different kindergartens. It was nothing for me to go to three different seventh grades. I I didn't have a choice, and we were just taught you just get in there and you get her done. And you adapt. I Absolutely. Oh I gosh. lived in the moment. Wow. Wow, that's hard. Now, obviously, you don't remember at the age of two coming to the U.S., but do you know the backstory about why 
you know, your your mom and dad wanted you to uh, to to go off to the U.S. with a new family. Yeah, the I uh, the story I hear is that I was born out of wedlock, and that my mother, who uh, adopted me, she used to babysit me and my sister, who was two years older than me, and um, and she just had all these children, and her husband wasn't around, so she couldn't handle it all. So. The story is that uh, once I was adopted, then my other siblings went to an orphanage. Wow. So I don't know anything about that. I don't. Wow. Uh, the rest is just kind of, you know, moving 17 times in 18 years. I really didn't have time to focus on where I came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally just had to be in the moment and focus on what was going on day to day because it was constant um, chaos in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's that's interesting. Yeah. So you just wanted to forge ahead, keep going, and um, which you have done. Yes. Um, so you mentioned, you know, growing up in a military family and having to move so many times, seventeen times in eighteen years. That's yes. unbelievable. Yes. Um, how would you say that helped to shape your confidence, having to adapt like that over and over? The biggest thing that it did is it helped me to overcome uh, my insecurities. And also see, you know, who is the type of person that I want to be. I met so many people in all those years from all over the country, all over the world. We lived in Scotland. We lived in Hawaii. We lived in Florida. We lived in Rhode Island. We lived in uh, Great Lakes, Michigan. We lived all over the place. So just meeting so many different people of my peers. And I and I learned what I didn't want to be. And I learned who I wanted to be like it, it helped me bring out myself that's interesting so you were again not, not having knowledge of your background and where you came from right. i would imagine instinctively you're always wondering about it um but you got caught up in different curiosities you know as you were right. traveling around the world focusing yeah. perhaps less on yourself yeah i guess you know my my motto that i remember from my youngest age is i don't know where i came from but I'm just going to bloom where I'm planted. I just I was raised in a very chaotic that. home. Both my parents were alcoholics, and I knew I didn't want to be like that. And I didn't know. I never, literally, never felt lost. You know, God was with me the whole time. He had a purpose for me. That's why we're here today. Mm, yes, and that's right. um, you know, I just never felt lost. And that's the amazing thing about it. Although I did go down some really uh, dark roads at times, uh, been led astray, and like many young girls do. Um, I always found my way back because I knew it wasn't my authentic self. Mm. I want to. I really want to get to that part of you, you know, because let's talk about your years in L.A. Yes, um, where you kind of were led astray and um, got caught up in, you know, the as you said, the drugs and rock and roll life back in the day. Um, but there was always that inner voice. There was always a voice down deep that was pulling you you know, helping to pull you out of that. Absolutely. Tell me about those years a little bit. You know, I started uh, I started my adventures with drugs and alcohol at like 13 years old. Once again, being raised in an alcoholic family, I didn't want to be like that, but it was like just a way to cope. And um, by the time I was 18, I was a full-blown uh, drug addict. And once again, I just knew that it wasn't me, but I didn't know where to go. And um, by the time I was 25, I was done. I just knew that that wasn't the life that I was meant to live. And I checked myself into a rehab. I was all by myself. And I said, I'm ready for a new life. And I got down on my hands and knees and asked 
God for a new life, a rebirth. And that's exactly what he did. And, uh, you know, and then I persisted. And the biggest thing, Susan, I would like to say for anybody that's hearing this as having challenges in life, listen to what people tell you that are there to help you and do what they say. So many people, they give you a program, they tell you, do step one, do step two in life, whether it's business, whether it's recovery, whether it's depression, whatever it is, and then people don't do it. And I did it. When I came out of rehab, they told me 2% of the people make it. And I said, well, then tell me what it takes to be that 2%. Mm. Because I have lived the 98% and I'm done. So I truly believe that what you focus on expands. And I focused on that 2%. And because it was a narrow uh, margin, it really was better for me because I knew how hard the how much the risk was, mm. and I'd already taken a risk the other way. I was ready to take a risk for my success, and I was ready to take a risk to find myself. Yeah, I I would say though that you know when you said listen to what other people's tell you, what other people tell you, um, I would say you did it yourself though. You know, people were probably giving you advice and sharing right. resources. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that strength came from you. I had to take the action. But I'm saying it's who you surround yourself with. I mean, I had a lot of people, you know, a lot of times when people are going through rough times, they have people in their life that are giving them good advice, but they don't take it. Yeah. And I had, I listened to the ones that gave me the good advice. And we're still great buddies today. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And and you were 25? Um, I was At the 25. time you turned it around. Yep, 25. Was there a, a moment, Was did something happen that shifted your thinking? Or was it a culmination of it was a. Time? It was starting to happen. It was like a two-year um, two period where everything that used to be fun wasn't fun. And, uh, you know, so that was the biggest thing is that it just wasn't fun anymore. And I was, you know, I knew that I was coming to a, a stage in my life where, you know, I wasn't going to continue on this road because I was seeing people my age like five years from now and they weren't going anywhere and I'm like I don't want to be like that when I'm 30 I don't want to be like that when I'm 40 I don't want to be like that when I'm 50 surely I was meant for more yeah yeah but you didn't have family with you then no it just uh, you and your friends your new your new family that's right absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely absolutely Um, if you're just tuning in um you're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm joined this evening by Kim Players, the founder of Master Your Drones. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about how you discovered health and wellness and talk a little bit about the transformational energy workouts that you were known for. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And my name is Susan Rocco, and I'm joined this evening by Kim Players, the founder of Master Your Drones, which, am I right to say it's an instructional um, company and educational resource? Yes, it is. Okay, good. Um, So we were talking about very openly in the beginning, and I thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. I think it takes a lot of bravery to do that. Um, about your years growing up and and the troubles you had while you were in L.A., and then you turned it around, which is so impressive. And um, I read that you were known for, you you discovered health and wellness. Obviously, you said, I'm going to, you know, make myself uh, better, both physically and emotionally. And um, you became a trainer, and you were known for transformational energy and workouts. Can you describe that? What, What does that mean? It means when I walk in the room, people are transformed. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, it, once I got out of, once I was always into exercise, it just made me feel better. So once I stopped, you know, drinking and doing drugs and, you know, just living that lifestyle, I immediately started going to the gym because I wanted to get high. I mean, I like to get high. I love to party. And I just needed something to replace that that was good for me, that served me instead of disserved me. Hmm. So the fitness started happening. I started working out. I was at that point um, like 200 pounds. So that's a big weight for me. Um, And um, I started working out and I started losing weight. And I remember going in and seeing my doctor and she's like, you look great. What are you doing? And I said, working out. She said, well, you train me. And all these people just started asking me to train them. And so I went and got certified. And the next thing you know, I had a waiting list of people that wanted me to train them. So originally I started with professional bodybuilders because I was always fascinated with that. Um, But I really, you know, love people. And I love, I, you know, after living in so many different places and meeting so many different types of people, I just love people. And I say I don't collect things, I collect people. Mm. And so going into people's homes and working out with them, that was really revolutionary back, this was like 1989. And so I went in and started working out with couples in their homes. And, um, and they, we still keep in touch. Some of those couples, they're like in their 70s, and we still keep That's in awesome. touch. Um, they anything that I do, like if they see me on Facebook, if we keep in contact, they're like, of course, that's what you do, Kimmy. You know, that's <laughs> of course, of course, like they know that's the way that I roll. And was that still in California? You were doing uh, that? that was I was that I had moved to Virginia. You moved to Virginia. Yeah, I moved to Virginia. Continued to build your practice through referrals and people yep. talking. All referrals. I mean, that was before. Facebook, that was before social media, any of that stuff. I mean, literally, it was somebody saying, you look great. What are you doing? I found this trainer, Kim Players. I want her, you know, and it was literally people didn't even ask me how much I charged. I mean, that's how it was. Wow. Yeah, it was something. It was great. And so how many years did you do that, the personal training? I did that for about, I did that actually for about 15 years. Oh, a long time. Yeah, I did it for quite a while because then I, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, I got married. Like six months after I got out of rehab, I met my husband and we got married in a hot air balloon in Virginia. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we got married fast. Wow, wow. Yeah, so, um, you know, we were, he was working, I was working, so... Um, then three years later, I got pregnant and had my first daughter, Victoria. And, uh, you know, I trained, you know, part time through that. Then I had my daughter, Olivia, trained part time through that. Literally, that's just because people asked me to train them. And I, you know, I think that the big thing that I saw the difference between trainers was that I wasn't there for because it was about me. I was there because it was about my people feeling transformed, feeling good about themselves feeling worthy and love, loving their self. Mm. You know, I never let my clients put their self down. If they, if I walked in, they're like, my thighs are too fat or my arms are too saggy. I said, now you have to say two things that you like about yourself. There you go. Like just yeah. get them in the habit of focusing on what's working and not, not what you don't like. Yeah. What can you tell us about um, working out while pregnant? I think, you know, people have conflicted um, opinions about that. Uh, well, somebody that is works out before they get pregnant they always work out through their pregnancy um so you know if you can't do anything at least take a walk but it's it's really good for you to work out while you're pregnant moving yeah just keep moving i mean the doctor depending on the person because everybody's different everybody has different issues going on you know so the the doctor will say well you can do this but you can't do that so you know to each their own but it is good to keep moving instead of 
just become a blob on the couch <laughs> <laughs> and take advantage of the praise. Exactly. Say, I can eat whatever That's I want. That's right. Play yeah. Um, you're listening to Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and I'm with Kim Players, the founder of Master Your Drones. People are probably thinking, what you know, how did she get to the drones uh, industry, having been a trainer? And um, so I guess I'll, we'll jump right to that. Tell me the, the moment that the drones came into your life. Uh, the moment the drone came, in, came into my life was two years ago. So I'm the type of person that I look at, I try to, I'm a visionary. You know, some people are visionaries. Some people are great starters. Some people are great finishers. I'm a great starter. I know what I am. It's the way I roll. Um, so I take you, I take it in 10 years segments. So I say, where do I want to be when I'm 40? Where do I want to be when I'm 50? Where do I want to be when I'm 60? What do I want to look like? Like, I just have to have that vision so I get out of bed with zest and zeal every morning, <laughs> right? Otherwise, it's like, I don't know, I just can't wander through life after everything I've been through. It has to have purpose. That's why I'm here. It's a miracle that I'm here today. So, um, you know, about three years ago, I was just really praying and saying, you know, Lord, I'm getting in my 50s. And, you know, I, I, what am I going to do in my 50s? You know, I've done this. I've done that. I've raised two kids. I've been married for 29 years. It's time for Kim time. And so I was at, I was a speaker and I was at a luncheon and one of the, my colleagues had a drone. And I'm like, what is that? And he said, it's a drone. And I said, how do you use it? And he told a story of search and rescue. And it was when Sandy had hit down at the shore. Remember mm -hmm. that? Yes. It hit yes. us harder than we expected. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of barricades up because there was flooding. And that means they don't want you to drive around them. But people do. Oh, they do. Yeah. And so a, a, a vehicle had flipped over and um, they sent search and rescue over. The lights were blinking in the vehicle. They thought somebody was in there. They sent a, a rescue worker in. There was nobody in there, and the the rescue worker was washed away and perished. Yeah. Now, we hear those stories, and it really breaks our heart because it's something that could have been avoided. And so he said with the drone, uh, he you could have taken the drone over with, like, uh, thermal imaging or infrared, probably thermal imaging, and it would have lit up like a light bulb, like a rainbow, if there was somebody in there. It would, it would detect heat. Okay. Um, and then they would send in the rescue worker. Um, so I realized that the future of search and rescue would definitely be drones because drones can fly so easily over water at um, low altitudes to find stuff that a helicopter wouldn't be able to. That's right. And I was like, that's the future. Now, I've never, never been a technology person, but it was like this light bulb went off in my head, kind of like... Uh, that movie, Despicable Me, when the light bulb goes off in his head, that was me. I'm like, light bulb. <laughs> I found my next Yeah, passion. that's right. And I'm like, I'm going for this. So I did. And and I knew that it was, for me, it's a celebration of life. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 54 next month. And I'm like, why not? Why not? I mean, I've been through all this. I'm a trainer. I'm an inspirational speaker. I, you know, have raised two kids that have their own businesses. I mean, I could do this. It's just taking all my experience from the past and now putting it into my future. Yeah, so. and it, it is. It's a fascinating, you know, where we're headed with these is, is what I really want to talk about. Um, I'm with Kim Players, the founder of Master Your Drones here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and we'll be back after the break. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Susan Rocco. 
And I'm thrilled tonight to have with me Kim Players, the founder of Master Your Drones. Um, she has such an incredible life story. And um, we were just talking before the break about how she went from being a personal trainer to discovering drones and where they're headed. Um, one of the questions I had for you is, how do you become a certified uh, commercial drone pilot? What does that take? You come see me. You come see you. Okay. <laughs> uh, it takes is it a, a four-year degree? No, or? not okay. yet. Not yet. Uh, I'm not saying that it would never be, but no, it's it's a quite a feat. I mean. I'm still getting to know my drones. There's a lot of technology involved because first you have to fly the drone, learn how to actually fly a drone. It comes with a controller. And when it's up in the air, you know, you need to know what altitude that you're flying. You need to know uh, if you're going forward or back or sideways and how to turn it. And then once you learn and master that, your controller, then there's the whole photography bit and video. Right. So That's it's right. it's an ongoing um, process, and it's new, so everybody's learning right now. I, I don't feel that there's anybody that has, you know, conquered the drones because there's, it's so new. Um, we I want to mention we have one sitting here on the table in here. and That's it's, it's, Lucy. Is that Lucy? Yes. Is that the... Um, is that the name of that drone, or you have? That's the type. They well, have. I figured guys name their cars, so I'm naming my drones. Okay. So this is Lucy. <laughs> okay. She is a Mavic Pro, which is a very hot drone on the market right now. Super easy to fly once you get the hang of it. Um, she can ha she can handle about 10 mile an hour winds. She comes with a 4K camera. Her battery lasts about 25 minutes, which is really great when you're up and flying. You're covering a lot of territory. Um, because you're going for a bird's eye view. So when people think 25 minutes, that's all I get. But you're seeing so much because you're up high. So um, it is actually, you know, a lot of time. I mean, you get tired flying. Um, so I also have Lily, and Lily is an Inspire um, X5 Pro, Inspire Pro X5, and she's what they use for cinematography. Um, she's like a $6,000 drone, mm. and I'm still learning her. And is then this I, least expensive? Yeah, this okay. is of my drones that I have. And then I also have a Phantom 3 Pro, which a lot of people enjoy, and that's a nice medium drone as well. But, um, yeah, this one, Lucy here, she's probably about $1,000. Okay. L yeah. Let's talk about all the different uses because people, I feel there's so much we still have yet to learn about right. them. And some people are amateur flyers. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously used for military purposes. Um, companies are using, using them to deliver goods. Um, and also, I was reading about they can be used for energy inspections uh, of infrastructures where it could be dangerous. And now we have this wonderful tool to go in and, and do inspections. Is there anything I'm not you know, uh, that I've left out for the use of drones other than... I'm impressed, Susan. <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know, search and rescue. Um, a law was just passed recently where now all your public sectors, fire, um, public safety, fire, police, search and rescue, now they um, can start using drone technology in their services. And so now they can start budgeting for drone technology. And um, and then a really awesome thing just happened, and it's called, uh, I'm trying to think what, Lance. And Lance is where they're starting to allow uh, drone pilots to fly in 
more restricted areas like around airports like if you have a a job maybe near Walt Whitman Bridge which is in a restricted airspace for me it's called class B airspace I would be able to fly there as long as I fly under a certain altitude Mm. so if I got a job doing say the Port Authority and they wanted me to take some pictures I could fly there as long as I fly like say under 200 feet or under 125 feet because no planes gonna be flying around the airport around the bridge at that altitude so you know, NSA, you know, is working on it as well as um, as well as the FAA. They're working on making this technology something that is more feasible. And the reason why the big buzzword in drones is mitigation risk. So to to take away the risk for mitigation. And um, so that's what you see with like, for instance, with the energy. So you got all those cell towers out there. You have um, cables. And so one story is that there was like an off-spray nest up in like a telephone area, telephone wire, and they didn't want to, you know, disturb it. So they take a drone up to take a look at it first before having somebody climb up there, make sure that there's no bird in there or if there is what you can check it out, take a picture of it. And then you can send the repair people up once you take away the risk to the environment. Yeah, you know what you're dealing with. Yeah, you know what you're dealing with. Another story, I like the wildlife ones. Another story is that there's a black-footed ferret that's only um, privy to, like, Montana area. It's only the United States, and they were going extinct, so they were dying off. So what they did is they took a drone, they loaded it up with these, like, peanut um, butter-flavored vaccines, and then they took the pellets and shot them all over with a drone that would be like less evasive than like driving around and scaring them or an airplane or helicopter. And so then that was able to save those little black-footed ferrets from, you know, because they got their vaccines. They went out and ate the little peanut butter M&M and wow. they were, you know, they was able to save some of them. So that's just some of the stuff that they do Um so yeah, I it's mean it's just beginning. so much. It's all. Yeah, it's, I mean, I could just go on and on. I yeah. like almost hit a like a, a a deer in the headlight because it's like I could just keep going on and on and on. There's just so many capabilities with drones, infrastructure. You know, um, uh, managing uh, construction work maintenance. You know, when you're putting up construction sites, like say you're at King of Prussia, you're putting up the King of Prussia Mall, and you want to have like a monthly report on how things are going. So you can do one of those time-lapse videos and, and show the production from an aerial view. You see things totally different from an aerial view. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me because it's so widespread, the use. I think of, of course, every bride and groom is using a drone Absolutely. today to yes. put together their beautiful wedding video. And then you have drones flying into um, impoverished communities in areas where they can't get food and medicine. You know, and then everything in between. Yeah, they can get stuff faster. You know, they get there faster. Like, for instance, they can take out um, a drone can carry up to it, it can it can fly with up to 55 pounds, including the drone. That's wow. the law. Mm-hmm. So like, say there's a barge that they like to take some um, medications out to the guys instead of bring everything in to the crew, you know, instead of bring the whole barge into the port, then they can fly the drone out there and take you know, the medications out that they require so they can keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, if there's, like, say somebody that says, I see somebody down to the Delaware River floating, and they're like, okay, we hear this all the time, they could s- deploy a drone out there with a life preserver, and that could get it out there ahead of time before they could send it, you know, as they're sending a team out. Yeah. But it's going to be faster, and they're going to be able to see exactly what they're identifying 
as opposed to like going out there and not knowing what they're getting into. So, so. here's what I'm wondering. I'm picturing the more um, uses we find for them, the more there will be drones out and about. How do we keep it from becoming, you know, kind of the wild, wild west of drones? Yeah, there's a lot of regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I spoke at the Drone Focus Conference in North Dakota last year, Fargo, North Dakota, around this time. It was so awesome because, you know, anybody that does UAS, which is unmanned aircraft systems, um, anybody that does autonomous vehicles, that's where no man flies it. I mean, no man is on it. It's all flown you know, autonomously, you know, they're forward thinkers. And it was super exciting to be around people like that. Um, Fargo is looking to be the Silicon Valley of drones, of UAS, and big companies are moving in there. So that's super exciting. But NASA is working on this as well. NASA did a presentation out there. They're working on airways just for drones. I mean, it's it's coming. It's yeah. coming. And it's going to be safe. We live in America um, you know, like anything else, yeah, you could probably think of, I'm sure, a few things that they could be used bad for. But, I mean, people use trucks for bad things. They that's use, true. You know, it's, it, that's the world that we live in. But when, you, uh, when the point does come where you get your package delivered by Amazon, uh, you know, you're going to be pretty darn <laughs> excited that you heard Kim Players on Master Your Drone, you know, <laughs> and she told you this was coming. I mean, that's coming in the future. It was just spoke of recently um so it's you a year ago it was like oh it's not coming for a while but it's really getting pushed um and they're starting to do some beta testing with it so yeah it's coming it's coming excuse me if you're just tuning in you're listening to women to watch and i'm joined this evening by kim players a founder of master your drones and she really is a leader um and an expert in the field um, I, I want to talk about women and drones, you know, women in the industry. Do we know what the percentage is of women that are you I know, working in the field? I think it's about, um, I'm going to say like 6 to 8%. Uh, okay. I, it's a bit, yeah, like in, in aviation, it's 4%. So okay. we're already starting with a bigger curve, and that's what's really great. Um, women and women drones is awesome. You know, it's women from all over the world. Um, I've connected with women from Australia. I just uh, talked with a woman from San Diego, and she actually is an oceanography oceanographer, and she uses the drones out in the ocean. Like, how awesome is that? I'm like, yeah. uh, how did I get stuck in Philadelphia, and you get to be out in San Diego, you know, cruising the Pacific Ocean, you know? So, yeah, it's it's a great global community, and it's to bring awareness of drones. It's also to draw us all together and show us all the possibilities. I want to say, you know, it it's endless, and you can learn it. It's just technology. You're flying a phone around, basically. Yes, right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, the future of drones, and, and I'd love to know what, you know, what you're hopeful for, you know, to come with that. Um, as we go to the break, a reminder, you're listening to Women to Watch, and Christine Flowers will be following my show at 8 o'clock and with you every Sunday night. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm joined this evening by Kim Players, founder of Master Your Drones. And Kim, we were talking during the break about, you know, the story of how you started this business is very, very interesting. I totally um, Yeah, agree. share that with the listeners. It's so unique, and I'm, I never would have dreamed this ever in a lifetime. Five years ago, if you told me, Kim Players, you are going to be the CEO of Master Your Drone, and you're going to have this story that is just that everybody could have. You just got to keep your ears open and 
persist. I for entrepreneurs. So, for entrepreneurs. Yes, great. So um so I went through a class myself that taught us how to fly drones. And when I was in the class, I met this awesome dude named Daryl, D-Man. And we really connected. We wanted the same thing. And so we decided to start this company called Digital Drone Dynamics. Uh, we proceeded. We wanted to have these drone boot camps. We put everything together. We had all the operations and everything. And then on our opening day, we had a big open house where people could come out and try our simulators and everything. Um, Daryl never showed up. And I'm like, where's Daryl? Daryl was 42 years old and he had a double stroke. Mm. And seven mm. weeks later, he died. And I was beside myself. I couldn't run this without Daryl. I'm, I'm the marketing visionary. I'm not the operations person. So I'm like in the fetal position on the floor, right, oh as gosh. you can only imagine. And my drone sisters, who I barely know, Taylor Mitchum, I'm shouting out to you, sister, and Sharon Rossmark of Women in Drones, they're like, Kim, I just met them. We're going to help you get through this. Wow. So I did my first boot camp, and it was a great success, but I literally could not carry on by myself. I couldn't finance it by myself. The whole nine yards, it's, it's, a, it's an up-and-coming business, an up-and-coming technology, so it takes a lot of marketing. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so I took a break, and I was you know doing a lot of drone business. I always get called to fly here, fly there, do this, do that. So I was making you know money in my name that way, and then I had this investor call me, and he's like, how come you're not doing your drone business with the boot camps? I thought that was such a great idea. And I said, well, my business partner died, and I require capital, and I require a COO. He said, let's talk. So we sat down and talked. He wrote me a check, and wow. the rest is history. Wow. And, um, you know, the thing that he loved the most about me, once again, was that transformational energy, like just the, my enthusiasm and excitement. And I don't say that to impress you. I say that because if that's the way you are, you got to go with it. Mm. You know, some people I played, I tried to downplay that all my life. I didn't want that kind of attention, but that's the kind of attention that God wants me to have that light in the world. So now I go for it and I'm not afraid of it anymore. Um, so yeah, so then, um, I got my business started that we renamed it master your drone. We rebranded it. And then, um, I was recommended to, uh, Penn state, Delaware County, and they had me come in and do like a shark tank interview. And I won that and I was awarded a micro grant and also a team of their entrepreneurs that would help me young entrepreneurs in training that would help me. They're developing a mobile app for me, Master Your Drone. Awesome. And then um, Delaware County Accelerator Program, I wrote an essay to them, and they were super excited about the drone technology and the possibilities. So they um, gifted me three years of office space. So I have full office space in their Delaware Accelerator Program. And what that is, is it's for startups, that it's Delaware County's like, we want you to grow your business in our county. And so we're going to help you do that. And, I mean, I could just go on and on about all the um, uplifting and the opportunities out there for a startup. I mean, startups are hot right now. Um, You just have to be flexible and you got to be, you know, super enthusiastic about what you do, you know, and people will pay attention. So um, several other people won uh, the Shark Tank interviews as well. And I was surprised. One was a hot sauce company. And the other was a woman that does, um, she does uh, designer wear, and you can get it like online. So she's a seamstress. And I was like, wow, I mean, those are startup companies that they're willing to invest. So your dream should not be hidden. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. 
And you never know line. when you're going to get your time is going to expire. Yeah. You you have no idea. So if you have a pulse, you have a purpose, get out there and just start feeling around and seeing what's going on. Don't be afraid. Don't die with your dream in your heart. Mm, that's great advice. Let, let me ask you this. What's your mantra when things don't go the way they should? Because you're a doer mm-hmm. and you're um, an optimist and you're enthusiastic about your work. Sometimes we wake up and all our plans go a different direction. So what moves you through those moments? This too shall pass. That's a great, gosh, my dad said that my entire life. Yes, this too shall pass. Dad, really, I cannot <laughs> yeah. tell you. That's, Pray and, and it does. And it and be flexible and know that this too shall pass. Just like winter passes and spring comes, summer comes, everything it is does. a season in life. It says that, you know, for everything, there's a season. And it's just a season. And learn from what you can in those down times because there's a lot to learn in the down times to prepare for the good times. Let's give your, your contact information real quick if someone's listening and wants sure. to take the class. Uh, Kim Players, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram or at www.masteryourdrone.com. Terrific. Thank you so much for Thank being with you. me today. It was great fun. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to be joined by our Health Watch contributor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, in just a moment. Women to Watch. Women to Watch. Now, Sue Rocco. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm so excited to have with me this evening Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who is going to be joining us every week here as our Health Watch contributor. Um, she is an associate professor of medicine with Jefferson University Hospital. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. I'm thrilled to be part of the Women to Watch Watch team, and I hope that every week I can share some information about prevention or care that will help women take care of themselves and lead to longer and happier lives. Terrific. And I understand tonight you wanted to focus on uh, obesity. Yes. Did you know that obesity can have a major impact on your liver? We know that too much alcohol can cause cirrhosis, but how many people know that excess fat can cause major liver damage? Right now, the top reasons for liver transplant are hepatitis C and liver cancer, but we're making great progress in therapies there, especially with the awesome liver team at Jefferson. But by 2020, that's barely a year and a half away, the number one cause for liver transplants will be fatty liver from obesity. Yeah, I I mean, we always equate alcohol with the liver, not necessarily um, overweight. And what's notable about that is the Center for Disease Control, CDC, tells us 69% of U.S. adults are either overweight or obese. Secondly, more than half of Americans don't realize that obesity is also linked with an increased risk for 13 cancers. In fact, 55% of women's cancers are related to being overweight or obese, such as uterine cancer and postmenopausal breast cancer. Why is it an issue for women after menopause? Well, after menopause, the ovaries' slow production of estrogen Fatty tissue takes over, so the more fatty tissue, the more estrogen, which is perfect food for uterine and breast cancer. Obesity also changes the function of insulin and makes its own nasty little hormones that cause inflammation, and altogether, they cause tumor cells to grow. So let's talk about who's at risk, you know, what is considered overweight and and what is not. Well, if we consider the average American woman being just under 5 feet 4 inches, The maximum weight should be 140, but the average weight is about 163 pounds. So go online and calculate your BMI, basal metabolic index, 
which is somewhat of a screen for disease risk. And if the number is over 30, that equals obesity. So what can women do other than what we know already about eating healthy and exercising? Of course, cut your carbs and portions. Spring into the new season, 15 minutes of vigorous exercise a day, five days a week, even going up and down the steps at home or at work, or even a 30-minute walk every day for five days a week. So get out there and remember, treat yourself like a diva. That was great, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank and uh, stay tuned next week, everyone. Marianne is going to be talking about the ins and outs of reflux and how we know whether we have it or not. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.